Hello. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy 2022 to you. Yes, 2022. It's been a while. We've missed you. It's Mm -hmm. Tara and Eric here. We're excited to have you back with us at Capital Stories. This is a podcast where we explore intersections of life and faith and dig into a whole slew of topics to challenge us and encourage us in our personal walk with Jesus. We're thrilled to be back at it this year. Mm -hmm. We are fresh off of Christmas and the birth of Jesus. And we were talking this week about really the heart of Jesus' gospel message is inclusivity. There's always room at the table, Mm -hmm. you know, whether slave or free, whether Jew or Gentile, whether whatever, didn't matter, doesn't matter. We are all welcome in the kingdom of God. Mm. Heavenly. Sounds very heavenly. Except here on earth. Right. Oh, there's humans. There's a disclaimer, asterisk. (laughs) And we humans in this this effort to, to gain and grab power of course the human race just has this tendency to draw dividing lines between races to do the you're in you're out between dividing lines between colors and ethnicities and religions and and cultural preferences and these lines they end up dividing and they end up excluding and in a few days here in the u.s we will celebrate the martin luther king jr holiday and we wanted to have a conversation about some of those lines Mm -hmm. and the ways that that we can make an effort to begin or continue learning and understanding and erasing some of those lines that have been drawn. So today we interview Eddie Thompson, who is part of the Martin Luther King Jr. Human Rights Commission here in Utah and Mm -hmm. create a space for, for conversation with him as a leader. Since 1991, The Martin Luther King Jr. Human Rights Commission has been charged with encouraging and partnering and creating events, initiatives, programs, and and facilitating appropriate conversations to commemorate the holiday within governments, organizations, um, opportunities for individuals, and through public education to, to make sure those spaces are available. Right. Yeah, and really they're making sure that the wheels that started turning with Martin Luther King and, and, and the civil rights movement just keep turning today mm-hmm. and, and ongoing mm-hmm. into the future. And before him. Yeah, right. True. All, all mm-hmm. the wheels that we keep turning them in our context today. So this is a dialogue between Eric and Eddie, mm-hmm. two fellow believers that, that are both seeking to, to be part of a conversation in a way that they understand each other and uh, both seeking a world, you know, where there's some common ground. Yeah. And, which is a really neat part of this conversation, I think, are, are, are committed to the local church and overcoming the challenges faced by the local church. So we're excited for you to, to listen in on this conversation. So without further ado, here's Eric and Eddie Thompson on Capital Stories. Eddie, thanks for How being with us today. Good. Thank you, Eric. Yeah. Thank you for allowing me to come here. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you today and just thankful for the opportunity. Why don't we dive in and start, just give us a little background Let's on the MLK Commission and maybe how you got to be a part of it, what that journey was like. Okay, so about five years ago, my mom and I, Dr. Jackie Thompson, she's the new superintendent at Davis County School District. We were doing a speech together at the Capitol. We ended up bringing our youth up there from our from our church, True Vine Baptist Church, and we'll, right. we'll get into True Vine a little bit okay. later. We were speaking, and my mom was already a part of the commission at the time. I didn't know much about the commission. Yeah. 
And it took me a little while to kind of figure it out what what exactly was happening. We we meet once a month and we usually go off to uh, some location and describe and discuss different topics that are happening. Uh, some of the things that we discussed over the years was the Negro Bill Canyon in Utah. We did a, a, a trip to um, different colleges, just talking to them and trying to get a feel for how we can support their diversity initiatives. We just recently had a, a Martin Luther King license plate uh, oh, that we created last no last year. And that so, people can opt in to, to Yep, you can that. go okay. right to the DMV and you'll find it right there, the Dr. Martin Luther King license plate for the state of Utah. That's cool. And so it's really awesome. Yeah. Uh, it took many years. It took, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, uh, since before I was there, back in, I want to say it was 2002, yeah. something like that. We ended up finally getting it done this last yeah. year with the help of some of our representatives in the Capitol, Representative Hollins and Chavez. So, Was it Martin Luther King that said that the kind of arc of moral progress yes. is... is long, but it does bend towards justice. It bends towards justice. And so we're excited. projects are not short term. (laughs) Not short term. But we, within the last year, we were able to get it done. We had a competition, a statewide competition to create the the design. design. And a young lady in uh, Provo, she created the design and we used that. Nice. So now Um, it's, you know, available for purchase. Now it's an option. (laughs) There's so many things that the commission does that yeah. that is amazing. We do yeah. uh, what's called the Martin Luther King series of conversations. And it, one of the things that they try to do is create a safe space for discussions. And those discussions yeah. deal with policing. They deal with community issues. Last year, we had a lot of things on COVID sure. trying to provide information. And so we're trying to bring the community together in a respectful, responsible way and provide non-divisive discussions. That's really important to just have space. I think we'll get into this a little bit later, but just the nature of conversation Mm -hmm. these days can be a little bit just edgy and a little bit kind of tense and creating a space where it's safe and productive and respectful. That's critical these days. It's important. It's, it's important. I'm doing some of that in my job as well. And it's, and and it's a challenge because some people don't want to hear certain things. And so how do you bring people together to actually talk through the issues, again, in a respectful way? Right. And there's, there's a whole <laughs> recipe there's a whole for that. Yeah. In, in some spaces, people may not even see the issues as, as relevant, as, as real. I didn't realize you were doing this in your, in your work, too. Like, are yes. you a, a spokesperson for the commission at your job officially? Or just like, kind of how did that come about in your, in your work world? Sure. So two years ago, I believe it was... We, we had a group called LEAD, LEAD L3 Employees of African Descent. It's a part of an ERG, uh, Employee Resource Group. Okay. And so what they do is- Explaining the acronyms. <laughs> we have a lot of yes, acronyms in A lot L3. of those going on. <laughs> <laughs> what we do is we have different groups, different affinity groups for uh-huh. different races and reasons. So African-Americans, Asians, so on and mm-hmm. so forth, service members, things of that nature. Yeah. And so I got a part of that la- two years ago. Understanding that people work, they have lives, they have Mm -hmm. different things. We said, well, what are some things we can do to help education? And we came up with the idea of a book club. Mm. And so instead of creating topics, we just picked books that, you know, fulfilled our our goals of uh, community service, of education and diversity. Uh And we picked three books this year and the movie Selma. And so with those three books, it actually was pretty all-encompassing. Yeah. One was, what were the books? One was Subtle Acts of Exclusion. And it talks about not just diversity, but diversity in people of color and 
handicaps mm. and religion. Mm-hmm. And so that was an interesting book because it helps you break down some narratives on how people may feel. But it also challenges the person who feels they were done wrong or something was said negative to them. Mm-hmm. Well, you need to go take the next step and go back to that person. That person is going to keep doing what they yeah. do. They might not even have a clue that they sure. did anything wrong. Right. right. So now I got to go back to that person and say, look, you made me feel this way when you said this. And then hopefully. <laughs> hopefully that and will it, lead it, to change. Ho- right? Hopefully that can lead to change. At very least it will, it will lead exactly. to um, acknowledgement and understanding. Exactly. And so yeah. it was, it was a, a profound book. The next book was Things You Can't Say at Work. Okay. And that's, you know, race, politics, and, yeah, you know, right. Okay. But, but what it did was it broke down how to say those things in a way that's respectful and encompassing versus, right. well, you don't like this or you don't, you know. That's it's, really, so it's not a manual to like avoid these topics. No. You know, I've, I've, no. I think I've observed some of that mm-hmm. as, as being one of the reasons we got to this place is there's this avoidance right. of uncomfortable. Right. Whereas this book you're saying is like, well, no, we got to, we got to go there. We right. got to, you got to go we there. We got to talk you, about the uncomfortable and, and things. And in a lot of cases, you're already talking it. to other people about sure. it. But if somebody thinks like you, or, yeah, yeah. But if somebody in your bias, you might not be talking to some person because you think that they don't think the way Got you it. do. Yeah. So our so blinders are up. Your blinders are up. Take so, the blinders down right. and have so the conversation. This helps you. It, it gives you a, a ton of different examples on how to have the conversations yeah. in a respectful way, open ended versus pushing your thoughts and agendas and biases yeah. on somebody else. Yeah. And so it kind of opens up your mind a little bit. And then the last one we said, let's let's try something different. Let's do a movie. So uh-huh. we did the movie Selma. Selma. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing because I had my mom, Dr. Jackie Thompson, on there as the moderator. We had a young lady named Kayla Jordan. She was an engineer, and she works on our lead team. Mm-hmm. And then we had Dr. France A. Davis, who actually marched with Dr. King. Really? We had three different phases, I guess you can mm-hmm. say, of ages, age groups. Mm-hmm. And you got three different perspectives on one from somebody who was actually there right. versus one who was raised at the time, but mm-hmm. she saw things from a different lens. And then mm-hmm. one from a, a younger lady who right. wasn't there at the time, but what does she think right? Yeah, right. of that time right. and of how it applies today? What a so, cool space to create. So it was, yeah. you know, it was a one hour. I wish we had more hours, yeah. <laughs> right, right. but we, we had a one hour of awesome conversation with those three mm-hmm. uh, great questions from our, from our group and, is a situation where, again, as, as we're wrapping up the year with LEAD, the folks got an opportunity to go into community engagement, working at schools, working and seeing some of the Juneteenth presentations. Mm-hmm. We had the first ever Utah AfroFest here in Salt Lake uh, this last summer, and we were mm-hmm. able to help sponsor some of that. With LEAD, it's more internal for, um, for L3. For but at the same time, trying to use those resources yeah. uh, to help the community. Yeah, but these are great ideas. For I, I appreciate you sharing. Them. Oh, we'll yeah. put all these in the show notes yeah. so folks can you know check out these books and and just kind of get their own repertoire of conversation starters and, and right. thought provoking um, ideas to just consider. Um, yes. So yes. And then last summer, after the George Floyd situation, our company, and I'm proud of them for this. They they said we got to do better as a company. People are dealing with these things, these issues, and yeah. we got to at least speak up and provide a space for folks to be, to be able to speak, to speak up. up. And yeah. this is something that five years ago, four years ago, three years ago, I don't think they would have done. Our CEOs were speaking out in yeah. different manners when things came up yeah. and trying to make sure that our workers, our employees were feeling 
safer and at least at least acknowledging and just seeing just exactly just just seeing that so this last year i took over leadership of our lead group in here in salt lake Mm -hmm. and what that entails is three principles community service education for our employees social activities okay yeah and so I said, okay, well, I know we need to do community activities. We need to engage with our schools that are right next to us. We're right next to Rose Park. You mentioned something a second ago that I want to just get more perspective on. You mentioned the George Floyd situation and everything that kind of went down with the the tension and, and just the renewed gusto around race issues, right? And it kind of came to the surface, some things that have been going on for centuries. And I remember last year, just feeling like there was almost, I don't want to call it a bandwagon situation, but it almost felt like that. It's like, there was such an urgency to do something and at least say something that felt like it, to me, it felt a little bit like hopeful, like we're going in a good direction. Like people are more aware of this. And now it's kind of tapered off a bit again. And so I'm curious to hear from you what you, what you think. And just from your perspective, like what are things that we can do when it's not so headliney, when it's not in front of us in the news? I've talked to other African-Americans who've, who've indicated that George Floyd, it almost was surprising that like there was this reaction because it's not like those things have not been happening right before George Floyd. There was always discrimination. There's always been racism in, in America. What, what was it about that situation that sparked this, this big social movement? How can we keep the momentum going, so to speak, without there being major instances in the news again? It's a great question. One of the critical things was it was filmed. It was mm-hmm. recorded. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you hear stories here and there, and you, you, you jump to conclusions, and things kind of go away. But this was right in our face. This was blatant. Yeah. And so the question becomes is how do we create accountability as a country, as a society, you know, in our communities to where we we feel like when we bring situations up, they'll be handled appropriately. Right. And without a double standard. Yeah. Right. So, again, it caught a lot of people's eyes and attention. I watched the case on that one specifically. And, it, and it, it's tough to watch. Yeah. It's tough to watch. And, and you look at some of the instances in the past and you, you just think to yourself, well, how's it going to get better? Right. So what can we do? Education. I'll just go off of my personal experience. I had I remember having several years of Utah history. I know that other histories were made available. But when it came to my history, mm. if it wasn't for my mother, I wouldn't have the proper context. Yeah. And so, you know, when I remember my history books, I remember there'd be a couple pages on the, the black experience sure. within the country. And, and then it's put into a certain yeah. context of quote unquote victimhood, right? Sure. Like slavery, essentially. Yeah, right. And you, you, we talk about slavery, we talk about Dr. King, but we don't talk about the ramifications of yeah. some of those things. And when things are um, told in a certain narrative, now you don't have the full context of seeing the value in other people. For any average family out there listening to this or a parent listening mm-hmm. to this or, or someone who's just wanting to learn their own, like, you know, I'm through my education system. Where's my opportunity? What, I don't, what are there resources that you... There's, there's resources, and I would say start with the black church. 
Mm. And, and I'm just speaking you yeah. know, personally from my, my perspective. So start there. I went to University of Utah back okay. in 2000. I had my first black teacher in college. If, period. period. That was your first black teacher period. was in college. Okay. So my first black. Wow. So, so that kind of tells you, you know. I mean, I guess it's not wow. That doesn't surprise me it's per not se, surprising but I guess, you know, to think Utah, about that. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I, I didn't have a person of color teach me until I was uh, at college. This gentleman is a fixture in our community, Dr. France Davis, okay. Reverend, Reverend France Davis. He's your professor? The, he was our, my professor. He was the pastor at Calvary Baptist Church. His class was African-American studies. So it's an elective class. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was interesting because I felt I knew a lot of what was going on. Yeah. I felt I understood the black, the black experience, yeah, you right? Yeah, your mom teaching me these things. Heard my mom teaching. She had me reading the books. Yeah. She gave me the context. So I understood that. But going to his class, he was on another level. It was interesting because I would get into the class, and a lot of the information I did know, but a lot of it I didn't know. He went through the whole history of the African-American experience, tied it into music, our contributions to music. He tied it into Utah and some of the history that Utah had in in terms of African-Americans. But then what he did was he made an assignment for us. Uh And the assignment was, you. I believe you have to go to a black church. A lot of the other folks in my class have never been to a black church. Mm -hmm. And it was a whole experience. And they started asking me questions. What's going on here? Let me help Got me understand it. this. And there were certain things that happened within the black church that allowed them to try to relate to me, uh-huh. whereas they hadn't probably talked to me before. I've seen that before. And yeah. so that that was a starting point. I met with people last year after uh, during COVID. Yeah. We had our Juneteenth celebrations. And it was interesting because many of the folks that I talked to were like, I've never heard about Juneteenth before. Last year was the anniversary of Black Wall Street. Yeah. And so there was many different events and activities going on that people had no clue happened yeah. here in this country. Mm-hmm. And so as we're going through, you're, you're trying to educate folks. You're trying yeah. to get help them understand some of these things. But again, they were never taught this in high school. Right. They were never taught this in junior high or elementary school yeah. for, in general. Of right? course. Yeah, in so, general. But it, to, to a degree, that generalization is fairly true across right. across the board. Like I, I had never heard of these things. Yep. We're kind of living in our own contexts, right? Exactly. And the context in which many of us have been raised has the African American experience as the sidebar experience. The sidebar. <laughs> right. It's, a, it's over here. Right. And if it in general if things don't relate to me, so if it if it's relevant to me, I'm more right. inclined I'm more to, inclined to you know, pay attention. To pay attention. Yeah. If it's not as relevant, I'll, it'll probably slip through the cracks or yeah. I might have a bias towards yeah. whatever that is. Sure. So. Yeah, good points. You mentioned as we were kind of going back and forth about this interview, an issue that you've experienced or you've observed with numbers in faith-based institutions yes. kind of dwindling. Say more about what you mean with that. Yes. And, just kind of so, and I can't context. speak for all churches. I just only see what I see locally. It's always been a challenge bringing folks in. I remember going to True Vine Baptist Church when I was a little kid. We moved here back in 85. And I remember going and parents would take uh, their kids to church. And so you'd always see the kid and you always see the parent. Yeah. <laughs> it was nine times out of 10, the whole family was there. When I go today to some churches, you'll see sometimes it's just the kid. Mm. Sometimes it might just be a parent or two, but there's a big gap. I know last year with COVID, yeah. when COVID hit, that 
that really hit hard because people were making their own determinations. Churches had to, in some cases, shut down yeah, or do things virtually. It's It's been very difficult. There's a lot of distractions in the world. And that's that's a big problem that I see. And so I think leadership needs to be committed. You have to reach youth where they're at. If you want to reach the youth today, you have to find different mediums. One of the things we did was we started using Instagram. Mm. We were already using Facebook. You mean we as in your church? Yeah, this yeah. is our church, right. To try to communicate better to them, providing more opportunities to our youth. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been, a t- again, sp- specific to my church, it's been a tough battle. So you have to make it more accessible in a lot of ways, and you have to reach out more now, I think. One of the other things is we had a lot of youth who wanted to do more social justice aspects. And sometimes the church doesn't necessarily align with specific parts of social justice. Sometimes there's gaps there um, where they don't feel heard. It's always a struggle. <laughs> yeah. It's all, and I, I, I recall... I've I've been told, you know, in the civil rights time frame, it's, you know, the church, some churches didn't get involved um, because of how they may be perceived or maybe perhaps they didn't feel it was safe. There's a lot of factors to it. Yeah. But so I think for us right now, it's the thing that we're trying to do is focus on our youth and meeting them where they're at. Mm-hmm. And that's probably in a lot of cases, it might have to be outside of the church. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting thing to talk about a little bit. Like, you know, you were kind of talking about the civil rights movement, but I think some of these things exist today too, where, you know, society, especially last year, I noticed this society has this urge to like take a very vocal stance on a particular thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And that may not be a bad thing to take a stance on. Right. And for a church to take that vocal of a stance, I mean, there, there can be risks to that. There, there can be like distractions in doing that. I wonder if, if that's a, a thing you've observed, you know, because the, the the mission of the church here is our mission at Capitol, at least, is to you know lead people into Christ-centered discipleship. Right? right. We're trying to point to Jesus. We're trying to to lead people in their own faith journey to love God and love others. Right. Right. And getting too stancy on a hot button issue can be very well intended, but distracting. We're trying to stay in our lane of yeah. We're, we're bringing souls to Christ, right? Yeah. Right. But. Typically in the black church, and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll speak specific to that, is it's been more all-encompassing in, in the past. It's been that place that you can go to to be safe. It's been, yeah. it's been more than just bringing souls to Christ. Yeah. So maybe the, the context of the black church of what you're saying is it's like it's a broader, it, it functions as a community center right. as well as a, exactly. as a church. That's, well that's an interesting yep. distinction there. Right. Um, both both good goals, <laughs> right? but different goals. It's different goals. Yeah, it's right. different goals. And that's that. sometimes that's where you get into some churches function very well doing both. Some churches say we're only going to do one thing and what, what our mission is, right? Yeah, <laughs> what our, right, what right. God has told us to do. Right. So it's, it's a challenge. And I, I've, I've dealt with both sides of it with some of our kids and trying to help them have their voice. Yeah but then trying to bring it back into what, what does God say? Sure. And that's, it's a battle. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. And like to listen to where, you know, where's God speaking on this issue in my heart, mm-hmm. you know, and, and how does that play out in my day-to-day life? Right. It can be a challenging they, thing. They'll to, see the connection sometimes. Yeah, totally. And I, I think part of it is, I know for young people, everything's out there. They, they're trying to do this. They're trying to save the world. They're trying to do great things. Yeah. 
and and again, sometimes church is just not for them at that specific time. Huh. But maybe perhaps when you're 20, 30, you, you've lived a little, you have kids, and all of yeah. a sudden you have at least hopefully have a foundation that you can come back to. Some kids stay, some kids go. Yeah. But hopefully we we help build a foundation. Yeah, that that's an interesting to. thing to think through, like the the motivation for people coming into church in different life phases, right? When I'll be honest, when you first said like, you know, church may not be for them at this time, like I'm bothered by that reaction. Like not in a way that like right. I'm bothered by you saying that. Right. Like I'm bothered by that potential reality where, you know, here we are like trying to create environments for people to come to Christ mm-hmm. and, and it's it may not be a fit at everyone's life stage is what I'm hearing you say. So like, I wonder what we can do about that. Like if there's anything that the church needs to do about that. A lot of it comes down to listening, letting them share what, what they're feeling, what they're thinking. And the times that we've listened, other things can come of it. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't realize that was an issue. Yeah. Let's see what we can do here. So to your point, you can build on that just by listening to what their needs are, what they're thinking. Not, you can't always go down that. We, we've had situations where they wanted to do certain things that the church was definitely not comfortable with. Sure. And so, but you, but again, you're talking. Yeah, and you're hearing you're talking, where they're at, listening. and God okay. can meet us where right. wherever that point right. is. Maybe you we know? can't go here with you, but we can try to do yeah. this with you. Yeah. And so, but there has to be a constant conversation. Yeah. And I, I think we've we've had situations with young people where we didn't listen to them at times. Mm. And we didn't give them the opportunity to step up, and in other cases, when we did, they fl- they blossomed, mm. and they mm. were excited about being yeah. there, coming alive were, in their they faith, came out and, alive. Yeah. And so, giving them opportunities and, and a and a, and a fence. <laughs> yeah, right? here's the box. Like, here's the box that we will work. Yeah. <laughs> like understanding <laughs> that you, you can't be worldly, right? Mm-hmm. But but we we can we can maneuver some things. Yeah. But the ultimate goal is. For God, right? Yeah, so, we are. Yeah, we are bringing His kingdom into his the world, kingdom. but we are not. We're not of, of the, the world. world. We're right? In, we're in the world, but not of the world. Yeah, exactly. It's a distinction. So that's to... you try to set those parameters. Yeah, and they push. Yeah, <laughs> they push it. <laughs> right, and that's Let's, okay. Yeah, and that's okay. But again, we're having the conversations. We're discussing. Yeah, and you. But I think the times that we've had those conversations, we've yeah. got a lot of participation, a lot more excitement in in, in those youth. Because yeah. they felt they were listened to, and yeah. were trying to do something for them. That's yeah. That's a element of the conversation I wasn't expecting. Is the 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 ways to meet youth and, mm-hmm. and this quote next generation, which you could argue is the the current generation. Right. Like the, 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 they're not the future. They are. They are here. And it's right. Yeah. And the influence that they have and will have is so great that it's it's critical. I think for for the church to. And for people, period, to to meet them where they are and understand and listen and 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 guide and you know I think there's great opportunity there. So I, thanks for bringing that up. There's another issue you you brought up in our emails that I want to dig into a little bit more as well, and that's that's kind of this observation you've you've noticed about communication and and kind of breakdowns and understanding and and maybe like the lack of communication, perhaps perpetuated by social media. And kind of the the anonymity behind a, a screen and a keyboard, right? That makes it really challenging to talk about important and nuanced topics. Say more about what you what you've observed here, and and kind of 
your thoughts on this? Yes. So what I've observed is not saying for everybody specifically, but in general, a lot of folks are more engaged on social media, more engaged on their politics, whether it's their news media or Mm -hmm. talking to their specific group of friends or whatever, whatever the case may be. I think a lot of those mediums are telling us what to think and how to think. Mm. And they're pushing down certain directives, making money for those, for those different reasons. Right. So one of the things that, again, with the Martin Luther King Commission, we, we strive to do is build bridges, right? We have conversations all throughout the community and try to do different things. I've been engaged with several discussions with community activists recently, dealing with our kids. We go through CRT. You, you go yeah. through all these topics and, and different things that are happening. That's an acronym we may not need to describe, but critical right. race theory. critical race yeah. theory. And so... It's interesting when you go into some of these meetings and you're trying to get to the root of a problem and folks are bashing you with the same messages of, yeah. we got to get this out of here. We got to do this. We got to do that. And it's like, you didn't hear the problem. Mm. You didn't. The problem was, and I'm going to go to North Salt Lake, a youth died over bullying and racism, mm. 10, year, 10 years old. Um, I didn't know about this. Yes. So her name was Izzy and she, she committed suicide. Just recently? Just recently. Wow. Back in November. And so that was a situation where bullying was taking place in the school. Things were brought up to leadership. But what's happening is messages are getting convoluted. Where Folks are trying to say these things are happening to us, bullying, racism. Mm-hmm. We need better respect. We need better accountability. And then other messages bombard those things. Let's break this stuff down. What's the core root of what? Ha- what's the root of what happened, right? And we're in the last four or five years. It seems like to me, folks don't want to know the core. Folks are more interested in mis- misinformation. Folks seem to be listening to other things, and so trying to understand people where they're at, trying to understand the situations. That's. It's challenging, isn't it's it? Challenging. It's, and it's challenging. I'm thinking about an anecdote in my head here that just an example of this that I've seen play out in my own social media feed. Okay, so let me just paint a little picture about what this, what happened and what I observed. But mm-hmm. there was this dialogue going on on someone's post. I don't even remember what the, the whole context of the post was, but it was something relating to race in America. And the, the dialogue was positive for the most part. There was no bashing. There was no throwing out shame and, and blame. But throughout the conversation, there was the, the term BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, People of Color, right? So there's this acronym that is not super familiar to a lot of people, but is used a lot, right? And someone who was white, like asked a, a question well-intended, like, I've never heard this term. What, what, is this, what does this mean? The response that someone gave was like, well, you should be able to do this education. The, the burden of exp- explaining <laughs> yes. all of this always okay. falls on, yes. on people of color. <laughs> yes. I understand yes. where that's coming from. Right. But I also was thinking in my head, you know, man, how can we as a collective society have these conversations without feeling this like, oh crap, I asked the wrong thing. I, I've just wondered if that person who asked the question in the first place would ever feel like they can ask another question again because they were shot down for trying to start a conversation. And I'm like, Ooh, man, this was so well intended. Yes. And it ended so poorly poorly. because we couldn't, you know, they weren't face to face. It was behind a keyboard. Right. 
And I'm like, oh man, what do we make of this? And how can I, you know, I'm just observing this, reading it on my screen. What, what can I do in my own circles right. to like avoid that from happening? What can be done about some of the, the talking at and talking through to get to a, a genuine place of dialogue? Last year with the Floyd things, with protests mm-hmm. and same with you. I got on social media and it's interesting again to see people's perspectives and after a while it became toxic yeah. on my on my Facebook pages yeah. to where you had people jumping in the next day and the next day. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, coming back I just it. spent <laughs> I just spent like Too many a whole day this. <laughs> doing this. And yeah. the folks that I'm talking to were not really trying to listen anyway. So I think I think we have to get off of our social media first of all and mm. actually have the discussions because it's it's really hard to when somebody puts a question out there, I may have just come from a different conversation that triggered me for some specific yeah. reason. And now I'm coming into this and I'm thinking you're saying the same thing. Yeah. And it wasn't intended that way. So if I'm just like we're looking at each other right now, yeah. I could see your body language. I could see where you're going, how you're kind of moving towards, right? Yeah. Um, I think that's important to actually have a conversation with people. Yeah. And And I'll say this. I had a friend, a coworker last year that I, after the Floyd situation, he, he, he came to me at first he was Facebooking me mm-hmm. and then he came to me and said, Hey, do you mind if we talk about these things? I don't want to put it on Facebook cause I, I don't feel comfortable and I don't feel like I fully understand. So I don't mm. want to say something disrespectful. So yeah. he came to me and approached me that way. Right. How did that, how was that it received was, by you? So for me, it was great. Because, again, he had put a couple things here and there, and people kind of went back at him on Facebook. And he said, I, I just want to take it offline, but I just want to talk yeah. to you and have a better understanding. Yeah. And to your point, me as a black man, I've always felt almost like a spokesperson. Yeah. I've heard this. Only so say more about us, this. Right. I, right. Right. We, there's, so, there's only so many of us here in Utah. I think we're 1% of the mm. state. Right. But at the same time, my mom's a diversity coordinator, so I, I have a good understanding of what's happening here. Yeah, and you're used to these so I'm used conversations to it, all the time. But it, I know for many community activists, they're tired. Yeah. They're tired of having to be the ones to educate. Yeah. The burden always the burden, falls on It you falls on to, us, yeah. but at the same time, you, you got to assess who's real, and who's actually trying to learn. I think last year specifically, we have a lot of folks that are adopting black kids, here in this community right Interesting. now. And I think one of the things is that. Like you've noticed an uptick from uptick, previous years. Interesting. Uptick, yeah. I don't, I don't know the numbers. I just know that it's more prevalent now. You're hearing of the trend. Right. And so one of the things that I notice is that now they're in the, in the ball game because sure. their kids are dealing with these yeah. things. They're the ones speaking up. They're the ones, you know, working, you know, they actually brought in the DOJ into the Davis uh, County School District to develop that report and identify that there were issues. This was at the bullying, this is with the girl that committed suicide. Yeah. So, so, so now that they're speaking, they're speaking up and they're shining a light on it. And it's a different light. It's really important that we don't shut folks down who are trying to do the right thing. It's more important that we educate where, yeah. where we need to, because some yeah. some go to different extremes. And, sure, but they're trying to fight for the right causes that they believe, and they're trying to fight for their kids, just like we're trying to fight for our kids. Yeah. So you ha- you have to somehow bridge that gap of how do you, how do you unite? Yeah, the voice, the message. Yeah. So if I'm understanding a little bit, maybe I can make this analogy a little bit to 
maybe similar to the teachings of Christ. Mm -hmm. Like Jesus, when he taught, he wasn't always teaching the people. He was teaching his disciples, right? And so if we kind of take that analogy and think about, you know, maybe a white ally or someone who's advocating on behalf of another community, the black community in specific, like specifically the, the burden of like teaching the world and educating the world about the black experience doesn't have to fall entirely on the black person. Yeah. Like an African-American can, can educate their circle, can find white allies who then can take up that, that mantle and educate further. You know, that, if, if I'm understanying that, that that's, that's way, correct. what you're saying is, you know, that's correct. The more white allies we can have and right. <laughs> can be doing their, their earnest, you know, to like, because in some cases it. we talk about white privilege, for mm-hmm. example, right. In some cases they can use their privilege right. to, to have a different to, megaphone, to have a, a different di- voice, a different voice to get access to different rooms that we, we perhaps couldn't get into. Yeah. And so it's, it's a part of, I think it's a part of channeling the common sediments yeah. The issues of lack of respect, racism, bullying, lack of access in yeah. some cases, the lack of accountability in some cases. How do you channel those messages to the greater good, right? Yeah. It seems like, if I can speak broadly, mm-hmm. like we're quick to assume intention. We're yes. quick to assume some some motive that may not be the case on, on both sides of these conversations, right? right? I think right. that's... You know, it's a cancel culture type. Yeah, yeah, right. Like you said this yeah. before, so you, everything is invalid now right. from from your experience or whatever. If if we can just remember the slow to slow to speak, slow quick to, to listen, exactly. And, and, yeah. and I think I made a point earlier of it's a marathon. Okay, you might not have gotten it five years ago. You could have made ten mistakes five years ago, but how does God see us? God sees us as the finished product. Mm. He sees where we can be. Right. Yeah. So if I, I, if somebody says something to me and I'm offended and I shut them down, that might affect how they, how they move on forward. But if I say, you know what? I love you. I don't agree with you. They might respect that. They might come back to me and say, well, how do I get to that level? And so if we shut down folks too quickly and obviously we want to shut down hate. We want to shut down right. the wrong things. Right. We've got to have boundaries. Well-intentioned well folks, folks that maybe made a mistake, didn't say something correctly, or even folks that have. Yeah. You still want to say, you know what? My God tells me to love my enemies. Mm. My God lo- tells me to love everyone, right? Right. We don't have to deal with them. Right. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to deal right. with there them. There still can be boundaries. There's boundaries. There can yeah. easily be boundaries. But what I'm hearing you say is like if we shut down the conversation too soon – there will be no, there's no opportunity for there's resolution no opportunity. and there's no opportunity for, for right. growth and for right. learning and, and for empathy and understanding. So within safe boundaries, mm-hmm. being open to having some of these uncomfortable conversations is, is kind of critical. My friend James Jackson always likes to say, listen with the intent to understand. I might, you may do something and I may totally disagree with you. But at least I understand what you're mm. trying to do. So there. So right now, a lot in a lot of cases in society, folks are listening to speak back. Yeah. Folks are listening to respond quickly. Right. They already have their thoughts before I before I even We're hear listening what you with say. the intention of responding, exactly. or not even listening, but just intending to respond. to respond. Yeah, like I don't care about your point because I because <laughs> I, I know what I'm going to say in. next. Right, yeah. I already know. Yeah, you, you know. So so if we listen to understand, 
Um, yeah. I think that requires no response. It requires no response. When this episode airs, it'll be almost Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Yes. What are some of the things about Martin Luther King Jr.'s legacy that you know, kind of stand out to you as like the the biggest points of conversation around this this holiday? Yeah. I think Dr. King, for me, embodies the buildup of the civil rights movement. So not necessarily, he, to me, he was the head figure mm-hmm. that kind of led us through. And you kind of, you, you do need that, right? Yeah. But there were so many people that were sitting on the bus before Rosa Parks. And, you know, they, you know, there's yeah. so many other people that were doing things in the community that didn't get highlighted, yeah. but they had, they developed strategies and they worked with folks to ensure that this is our common goal. Right. This is what we want to go do. And they were right, right? Nonviolence. Sure. Yeah. Um, if you start fighting back, we know what happens. The the, the message gets muddled, right? Mm-hmm. In some cases, last year the the message got muddled. Yeah. In my opinion. Sure. And I mean, so I, yeah, because I can see because that. they were able to say, oh, well, they're burning buildings, and, oh, they're doing this. Well, we didn't address the core issue. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Good <laughs> point. How do we get there? Let's not skip the core issue. Right. And, and the core issue is respect, rights. Yeah. Safety. Yeah, those the those basic human dignity. Basic, basic yeah. human dignity. Right. Every single one of us is a, a bearer of God's image, and, and that that's that's the message of you know that includes people of color who've been excluded from right right know, that image in society. And right. so we got to hold society accountable when we say we're a society society under God, indivisible, with liberty mm-hmm. and justice for all. What does that mean? Yeah. If <laughs> What what is God's agenda? Yeah, and then what is America's agenda? Sure, and th- sometimes those things don't match. Reconciling right? those is so. How do you yeah. reconcile and hold accountable? That's that's the challenge. That's yeah. the that's the task at hand. I I thank you for this conversation. I want to end with something. You know, we we talked a little bit about the kind of tokenizing experience yes. that you've you and many other African Americans have, have have likely likely experienced. Just kind of being the one to explain, the one to always be at the behind the the conversation of of race issues and um i I mentioned before we pushed record on this that i i kind of felt that myself even asking you to come talk (laughs) talk about (laughs) it's like well here i'm going to perpetuate this and ask the black guy to come talk to me about educating myself and others around black issues so i'm I'm sorry for that but also thank you for for taking that burden on you know with the challenges that we face in utah I'm really excited to see some of the changes that are coming to Utah. Mm. In my opinion, Utah is growing up. And as we know, you take a couple steps forward, you get some push, you're going to get pushback. Yeah. So that's been constant since the civil rights and so on and so forth. But I look, I look down the street, I see certain companies that are doing great things diversity wise, uh-huh. trying to promote diversity and grow diversity, mm-hmm. trying to educate their employees. That's making a systemic change. Right. Governor Herbert, we met with Governor Her- Herbert last year with the Martin Luther King Commission and the Multicultural Commission. He originally planned to spend maybe an hour with us mm-hmm. as we were discussing and this was a session to address concerns in our community around healthcare, education, okay. criminal justice, mm-hmm. and some of those type of things, ed- education. He was only supposed to spend an hour with us, and he was actually supposed to go meet with Mike Pence. Afterwards, okay. <laughs> Afterwards he ended up scrapping that meeting and st- stayed with us to listen to what we had mm-hmm. to say. We had 50 people in the room, a lot of community activists, yeah. pastors, 
different folks who shared frustration mm-hmm. over the George Floyd situation yeah. and just the lack of the lack of changes within Utah in terms of those four or five pieces. Right. Again, he spent two hours with us listening. Yeah. Taking he had five pages of notes, three three to five pages of notes. Just soaking it in. And he soaked yeah. it in. And at the end, I'll never forget, he kind of teared up and he said, I I didn't fully realize the challenges. Wow. Right? Right. The next meeting he came back and he said he had action items. Wow. He had his police chief. They listed out action items and policing and challenges mm. that they had. He had an anti-race compact that he he created to present to businesses and different things like that. So again, he took five, 10 minutes talking and then just and opened up to listen. two hours listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and he's, he was going out at the time. Yeah. He only had about right. three or he, four months left. His agenda was, you so know, he, like he could have yeah. mailed it in. Right. right. Done. But yeah. instead he said, we're going to work these things. Mm. I'm going to shake up some things on my side. I'm going to pass it to Governor Cox when, you know, his time comes. And so it was a situation where we felt some things were moving. Mm. And so these are things that in this community, I'm really excited about. The place is growing and more diversity is coming in. More people are coming in. Hear you say. Yeah. I think as we kind of close this up, it it can feel quickly discouraging. Yes. To like look at the picture of race in America and and especially when we're trying to like have a conversation around improvement and and solution it can feel so much so often that there's a long way to go right. because that's true right because that's true so to have this allowance to like sit down and and look at the good th- the good things that have happened i i think is an important part of this journey to, it really is because without letting it dwindle the momentum, right? Without letting us letting it stop us and say, we've, right, we've checked that box, we're good to go, right? You know, it's a continual journey of of growth and improvement. But I like that because it, it's it's not for for many people, it's not a checkbox, right? Yeah, we're living these challenges, right? Every and day. so it's it's a constant growth, a constant education, a constant discussion, mm-hmm. a constant work. It won't be over in my lifetime. It'll keep going. We know that it's, yeah. it's kept going since my parents and so on and so forth. And long so, before, yeah. long before it. So yeah. it's 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 a constant thing, and I'm encouraged by some of the things that some of our community leaders are trying to do right now, have done, but mm-hmm. are trying to do right now and coming together to help build a a bigger tent. Yeah, great. Well, with that, I thank you so much. Hey, thank again you for appreciate for your time. You, okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We hope that you got some good nuggets there to think about and and chew on and to grow and be inspired to uh, get educated and to engage in some some critical conversation around this issue. So you can visit our website, capitalstories.com for links to resources and to just navigate to different opportunities and events that you can engage in throughout January as well as in February during Black History Month. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.